Thanks, Don. Just, I think one addition to the announcement that Don made is that uh, there's only five days until the uh, cruise in. And so uh, really only have five days to go out and get that show car, that show motorcycle, that show tractor before next. So, you know, your excuses. Hey, listen, uh, uh, Kids Club Wednesday. Kids Club on this last past Wednesday. Um, I put some of these pictures up here, these uh, superheroes. And I asked the kids, I said, uh, who is the, who's the superhero? And I said, what superhero abilities do they have? What is their superpower? And the kids were really good at answering, you know, they said, Hawk Smash, you know, and uh, they said Superman can fly, and Wonder Woman's got the magic lasso, and, you know, she's really strong, Spider-Man can do the webs, and they all, they're superheroes, and they have superpowers. And then I told the kids at Kids Clubs when I said, hey, did you know you have a superpower? You have a superpower. They're like, huh, what? You know, and I said, you have the ability and the power to put a smile on your parents' face. I said, when your parents tell you to do something, you know, uh, clean your room or whatever the case may be, and you say, okay, and you run in there and you clean your room, all of a sudden your parents will be like, wow, that is fantastic, right? You have a superpower. You can put a smile. And the other thing we said is that, uh, you know, if you watch any of these uh, movies with the superheroes in it, and uh, what if the superhero did not save the person that was in distress? They're usually saving somebody that's in distress, it's peril, and they're almost going to die except the superhero shows up and they rescue them and they save them. And what if the superhero showed up and just sat back and watched them die? He said, oh, that's horrible. No. So what if they did not use their superpower? How bad would that be, right? And so we told those kids, you have a superpower and you need to use your superpower. Well, that's what we said about uh, superheroes and superpowers on Wednesday at Kids Club. And uh, uh, my kids, uh, my kids, they, they have that same superpower yet today. Uh, I was very, very honored. It, it made my week. It just really made my week. My son, uh, he was interviewed for a podcast, and uh, he was uh, being interviewed, and he was asked the stories about his childhood and things like that. And uh, he spoke very highly of uh, my wife and I. And uh, he said that we were good parents and that we had instilled uh, biblical values in them and helped them uh, to better know Jesus. And those things, that just made me feel uh, like a superhero myself, hearing my son, who's an adult and has given us our first grandchild, um, talk so eloquently about how much he appreciated us. It really it felt awesome. It felt awesome. And that, but here's, here's where the, all of this is going. Okay, uh, there's one thing that my kids could all do, all three of them, when, I, when they were little, uh, that kind of made me scratch my head. And uh, I would say to them, I would say to them, uh, okay, it's time to go to bed, go get in bed. And then they would present an argument to me in which they would win the argument. Uh, they, I would say to them, you know, okay, okay, it's time to go, it's time to get in the car. And then, and then usually the argument would start with these two words, but dad... But dad, they would present this argument, you know, I might tell them, uh, you know, go clean your room. But dad, but they, it was never disrespectful because it would always be followed up by two other words and then they would win the argument with me every time. They would win the argument and so they would win the argument with me. And the other two words, they'd say, they'd say, but dad, you said, and so I would communicate to them, okay, it's time to go to bed. And they would say, 
But dad, you said we've got to brush our teeth before we go to bed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go brush your teeth and then go to bed. See, they would win uh, the argument. They would always win the argument. But dad, you said, I'd tell them, you know, go get in the car. It's time to go to school. Get in the car. We got to go, you know. But dad, you said we got to go get our backpacks out of the room. Yeah, go get your backpacks and then get in the car, right? And so they would always know and they could win the argument every single time, right? I'd tell them, you know, go in there and and clean your room, you know. And they said, but dad, we can't clean our room until you said we always got to get our homework done first. Oh, yes, you know, get in there. Right? And they could always win the argument with that line, but Dad, you said. So, I think it's appropriate that uh, this week and next week, uh, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about how to argue with God and win. How to argue with God and win. You ever, you ever kind of want to debate God about, do you really know what's best? And, you know, uh, those that you ever want to argue with him or you're kind of wondering what he's thinking. And so I'm going to tell you how to argue with God and win. Write that right down there in your bulletin. The line is right there. How to argue with God and win. Here's what you have to do. You want to win an argument with God, you have to remind God. But dad, you said. But dad, but God, you said, and remind him, remind him, first thing, write this down, remind God of his reputation. Remind God of his reputation. How's that work? Well, we see that play out. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible, book of 1 Kings chapter 18, is the story of Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal, or it's Elijah versus uh, the evil woman uh, Jezebel. Maybe you remember uh, that story. And uh, the story goes like this. The story goes like this. Uh, The story is, is that God uh, goes and says, Elijah, I see what's going on down there. Uh, My entire nation has been uh, turned over to you. You guys are reading ahead of me, I'm sure. This is what's going on here. So back that off there, Lord. And, um, and so God goes and he says to uh, Elijah, uh, here's what's going on. He says, uh, the, the enemies, my enemies down there, the prophets of Baal, uh, Jezebel, is, uh, she's a leader in the fallen nation. She's taking people away from God. And, uh, and so uh, God says, I want you, Elijah, to go and I want you to set up a showdown. And I, so I want you to go tell Jezebel, I want you to go tell the, the king, uh, I says, I want you to go, and I want you to go out to all those people. Baal was a false prophet. Uh, Baal was a, a fertility god, it was a man-made god, some people made him up, but all the people were worshiping him, and uh, there were these 450 prophets that they would, uh, the, uh, the political leaders would go to the religious leaders in order to get counsel, and uh, God says, Elijah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and I want you to build two altars. Just get some rocks, stack them up. We're going to make a sacrifice. We're going to sacrifice some animals on them. And we're going to make two altars. And then whichever God, whichever God will light the altars on fire, that will be the real God. And so they make the two, uh, they make the two altars, and um, then Elijah says, hey, you guys can go first. And so the 450 prophets of Baal got there, and they begin to march around, and they begin to call out to God, and they begin uh, to get louder and louder and calling out to Baal, you know, please light this, make, make this thing uh, light on fire so that everyone will know you're the true God and stuff like that. Well, about noontime, Elijah shows up, and he goes out and he begins to taunt the 450 prophets. He says, hey, uh, Maybe, maybe your God can't hear you. And so maybe you should yell just a little bit louder. Yell a little bit louder. You can read about all of this in the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. Yell, yell louder. Maybe you're not. Okay. So they begin to yell louder and louder and louder. The Bible says that they even began uh, to cut 
themselves and to bleed on the altar. They were making a literal blood sacrifice of themselves onto the altar. Literally, this is what this is in the Hebrew, in the original language, when you read the story, true, true part of this. Then uh, a little bit later on in the day, Elijah shows up again. He begins to taunt them. He begins to taunt them. He says, maybe your God can't hear you. Maybe he's too busy doing something else. And literally, in the Hebrew, he's, he's communicating him, maybe your God's in the bathroom. Maybe he's sitting down and there the door's closed and he can't hear anything. That's literally what he says. He says, maybe he's in there taking care of business in that way and he has no idea what's going on. And so they begin to yell all the louder and all the louder and all the louder. Well, then later on in the day, Elijah goes up about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He shows up at the thing and they've been crying all day and the thing never lights on fire. And Elijah says, okay, uh, well... Um, and they literally have to rebuild the altar that they're made to. They have to rebuild because there's so many prophets around. This thing is all collapsed. He says, we're going to rebuild this thing. So he takes 12 stones and he puts this thing. And then he says to the 450 prophets, okay, um, will you guys do me a favor? Will you guys go get some 55-gallon drums of water, big, big drums of water, and I want you to begin to pour the water all over the altar. And it's just saturated. He says, hey, go ahead and dig a ditch around that altar and fill that ditch up. And all of the water goes on. It's just absolutely saturated. Absolutely saturated. And then he says, well, okay, I guess uh, time for me to say my prayer now. Since you guys had your turn, I get to say my prayer. Listen to this. Book of 1 Kings, chapter 18, verse 36. It says, at that time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Now remember, we're going to remind God of his reputation, his reputation. Elijah steps forward and he says, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that who are you? Who exactly are you, God, that you are God of Israel and that I am your servant? That's not me, it's about you and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you, O Lord, our God, our God. You are the one. You are God. Maybe you remember the way the story ends. All of a sudden, fire shoots down from heaven, and it incinerates all of the sacrifice. It incinerates all of the stones. Literally, when you read the story, it says that tongues of fire began to literally just lap up the water that was all over the thing, and the whole thing, nothing left but a smoke hole in the ground. It is all absolutely gone after Elijah reminds God, you are God. There is no other God. And he goes to him and he says, this is who God is. You remind God of his reputation. He reminds them who God really is. And he wins. He wins. He wins. He wins because God said that he would. Maybe, maybe you remember in the book of Numbers, maybe you remember in the book of Numbers, the nation of Israel God has told them. Remember, remember God led the nation of Israel. They were enslaved in Egypt, and he led them through the Red Sea. Remember all the plagues that took place before that? And so God is showing, them, I'm God, and I got this. And you know, through the Red Sea, I'm God, and I got this. Takes them out into the wilderness, and he feeds them, and he provides water for them. I'm God, and I've got this. But then it's time for them to go into the promised land, and all of a sudden they're like, uh, I don't know if we can do it. I don't know if God is able and capable. Is he uh, strong enough to do that? Can, can he actually go and do that? And so um, we find that uh, uh, God says, I'm so tired of these people 
and essentially their disbelief and their lack of faith and their lack of trust. And, and, they, and he says, I'm going to destroy all of them. I'm going to wipe them off. I'm going to rid the face of the earth of these miserable Israelites who are my people. But then Moses, what does Moses do? Uh, Moses goes before God and he reminds God that his reputation is at stake. In the book of Numbers chapter 14, it says, If you put these people to death, here's Moses saying to God, after God just told him, I'm going to wipe them all out. He says, if you put these people to death all at at one time, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, the Lord was not able to bring these people into the land he promised them on oath. Moses reminded God, it's your reputation at stake. You can, you're God and you're big. You can do that. You're God. You're able to do that. But your reputation is at stake. And then I love Numbers chapter 14, verse 20. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. He simply reminded him of their reputation. Listen, we need to remind God of his reputation. He is a good God and he is a loving God. Our church holds up truth in this community. Our church holds up truth. We believe that there is only one God, and he has a son, and his son is Jesus Christ. We believe that the Bible is truth for all people, and that everyone that lives according to the way that God tells us to in Scripture is the right way to live, and that Jesus Christ is the way that we gain access into heaven by receiving the forgiveness that Jesus took care of uh, when, uh, on behalf of our sin when he went to the cross. And we hold up that truth, and we need to let God know. We believe that you are God. We believe that your truth is true, and that you are real, and that you're the real deal, and we don't don't want your name to be, we don't want the people in the community to think that your truth isn't real. We don't want your church to wither because people might think that you are not all powerful and that your way to do life is not better than the alternative way to do life. We want to remind God that his reputation is at stake. We need to be a people that pray to God and say, give us a victory, give us a harvest, let people know who you are, God. We remind you that you are the God of good and mercy and grace and all things that are wonderful. And we need to do that. We need to remind God. And then maybe, maybe then God will grant us a harvest that people, more people in our community will come to know and love Jesus Christ, our Lord. We don't want the enemy to win. Jesus has already defeated the enemy. We need to remind God of his reputation. So we want to win arguments with God. We remind God of his reputation, and we also remind God of his attributes, his attributes, his attributes. Has anyone ever reminded you of your attributes? Have you ever reminded anyone else of their attributes? You know, uh, has your spouse ever said to you, boy, uh, you really look good today. That looks sharp on you. I really appreciate the way you look. And maybe, maybe your spouse has said to you, or maybe they come up to you and they say, oh, you know the yard, it looks so good. You've got a, a mow just right. You've got it edged just right. There's no weeds in the yard. Man, it just, it really, the yard looks really, really good. You know, it just, 
I'm so glad that you're taking care of the yard uh, that way. Maybe, maybe they said to you, you know, the, the house is so clean. And, you know, you, you, maybe you said that to your spouse. It looks so good. And maybe you said something like that. And uh, maybe you say uh, to them, uh, you, you're such a good parent. You're such a good parent. I just really appreciate uh, the way you parent. And, and by the way, and by the way, I just happened to be in Von Mauer and I saw this outfit and it was on sale. And I was wondering what you think about me getting this new outfit that's at Van Mauer and it's on sale. You ever, you ever had anybody give you, they kind of fill you up with those attributes and then all of a sudden it kind of softens your heart that uh, maybe, uh, you know, maybe I'd, maybe I'd say something to my wife like, oh, sweetie, you look good. I was, happened to be at the gun store and you know, and, and, but, uh, but what, anybody, so you, have you ever had, have you ever reminded someone of their attributes or has anybody ever reminded you of their attributes? And maybe there was a little something at the, at the, at the other end of that. Well, Abraham, Abraham, father Abraham. You remember it was God that went to Abraham and he said, I want to make a covenant with you and you and your descendants and one of your descendants one day is through the bloodline of Abraham is going to be the savior of the world, Jesus. Jesus uh, was an ancestral descendant of Abraham. And God went to Abraham and he says, you're my guy. I'm going to start things off with you. Did you know that Abraham had a friend? Abraham had a friend and his name was Lot. Abraham had a friend and his name was Lot. The only downside to Lot, Lot lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah. And so maybe you already you know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, right? But did you know this? Abraham had a friend named Lot. Lot lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, uh, God has declared, I am going to destroy all of Sodom and Gomorrah because of the evil that is there. Because of the evil that is there. And then all of a sudden, Abraham says to God. You can read all about it in the book of Genesis, chapter 18. The story's all there. And God shows up and he says to, uh, or excuse, Abraham says to, to God, God, uh, you're a righteous God. It says, far be it from you to do such a thing as to destroy these places, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do Right? You're going to do what's right, aren't you, God? And then, and then maybe you remember that uh, uh, what Abraham said to God is, God, if I could find 50 people, just 50, out of all of Sodom, if I find just 50 people that are righteous, God, surely you're not going to destroy the righteous and the wicked all in one sweep, right? God says, that's right, Abraham. If you, if you can find 50 people, I will not destroy it. And Abraham kind of looks down, scratches his head a little bit. God, uh, if you won't destroy it with just 50 righteous people, surely you're a righteous God. You wouldn't destroy it if I could find just 30 people. Would you, God? If I could find just 30 people? No, no. If you can find 30 people, I won't destroy it. And Abraham, you can read the story in Genesis. You can read the story. God says, or Abraham says to God, uh, I don't want to press my luck here. I don't want to push too hard, God, but if I could only find 10 people, if I could only find 10 people that are righteous, would you destroy the righteous and the wicked the same? God excused himself, said, I'm out. Here's the problem. There weren't even 10 righteous people. Lot was saved, but they couldn't find 10 people. There were not 
ten righteous people to define? Here's a hard question. Are there ten righteous people in the room? Would God find ten righteous people here? What are the attributes of God? Do we believe that God is a God of mercy, grace, forgiveness, compassion, slow to anger, always loving? That's who God is. And we get to go before God And we get to say, God, I know who you are. Your love. You sent your son. You're forgiving. You're merciful. You're slow to anger. You have, in fact, already paid the price for my sins. You are a God of help. I ask you to help me as I move forward in this life that I would be the one that you call me to be and you remind God of his attributes. You want to know how to argue with God and win? You remind God of his reputation. You remind God of his attributes and then do this. Remind God to continue the work of his son. To continue the work of his son. You know, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 tells us that in the beginning God created Everything that is here, everything that exists, God created it. He made it. The book of John, chapter 3, verse 16, tells us, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that anyone that believes in Him doesn't have to worry about uh, whether or not you die here. Everybody's going to die. Everybody's going to live forever. But you're already guaranteed you get to be with God in heaven forever and ever and ever because of what Jesus has done. Question. Why would God make a way of salvation? Why would he do that if he does not want people to be in heaven? He wouldn't do that if he didn't want people to be in heaven. God wants people in our community, our friends, and our neighbors to know that he is a good God and a loving God. And he has a reputation of being a good and loving God. And God wants us to tell other people that that's who he is. And that's why the Bible teaches us these things. Romans chapter 3 verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's who we are. We're lost without God. Book of Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. We deserve to be punished because we have made mistakes against God. We have sinned against God. God says, do not lie. I've done that. God says, don't take anything that's not yours. Oh, I'm sure if you go through my life, I've I got probably tools in my garage right now that I borrowed from somebody. That's a reminder back there, Adam. There's a, your roto hammer's in my... Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, you kind of end up with other people's stuff. It's like, so can I say that I've never told a lie and I've, I've never taken anything that wasn't mine. I always honored my mother and father. No, I've sinned against God. God says, the punishment of those things is that you deserve to be punished. You deserve to be separated from me because I am perfect. And I am holy and I am pure and I am God. But because my son went to the cross, he paid the price. He scrubbed all of the sin out of you. Even though it's in there, it's out of you. And that's the way I see you. And he says, I love you. And so he comes to us and he says, I want you to tell other people about my son. 
I want you to tell other people about my son. And so we remind God, the work of your son is not done yet. So help me to do that. Here's one of the things I learned. When my kids were really little, uh, as their dad, they could say to me before they were going to climb into bed, they said, Dad, I want to drink water. And uh, then I would be the superhero that I am, and I would make my way all the way to the kitchen, and I would get them a little cup of water and a sippy cup, and I would take that to them because they're my kids, and I love them, right? Then they get a little bit older. My kids might not say to me, can I have a drink of water anymore? But uh, they might say, uh, uh, Dad, can uh, I have some gas money? You know, uh, yeah, I get it. And so you kind of pull out and you give them a little bit of gas money. Because you love your kids and you want to help them. You want to help them to accomplish their goals and go off to college and, you know, you get the call and we still get our daughter that'll text my wife and say, can you Venmo me some money? And oh, yeah, here comes some more money, you know. It's like, um, they're your kids. You love them. You look after them. You want to take care of them. I was so pleased and honored just yesterday Got to spend time with my son and his wife and our grandson. And just yesterday, my son is getting ready to, uh, by the end of the month, he's hoping to dig a, dig a hole and, and start the foundation. He's going to kind of general contract the building of his own house. And, and he said, Dad, I think I'm going to finish the basement myself. And he says, I'm, I'm hoping that you're going to be able to come over and, you know, we're, I'll trim it out. You know, we'll do the trim work in the basement. And he asked me if I would come. And absolutely, it's my son. He asked me. And I can't wait to go over and, and help him on that project. And, and I'm just Steve. I'm not God. Jesus tells a story about what happens when you ask God. What happens when you ask God for help. It's interesting. We read about it in the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in the town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't, she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God, God is always just. He is not the unjust judge. The unjust judge didn't care about man, didn't care about God. Well, clearly God is the most righteous, most just and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. If an unjust judge 
if a dad named Steve knows how to give a good gift to his child when he asks, how much more will a good God that is full of grace and mercy come alongside us when we ask him to help us advance the kingdom of God? How to argue with God and win? Go to God and just remind him of his reputation. You are a good and loving and awesome God. Remind him of his attributes, that he is filled with grace and forgiveness and love and kindness. And remind God that we want to help him to continue the work of his son, that all mankind would know that there is a Savior and we have been found and invited into the kingdom of God. I don't know where you are in your journey through life, but if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, if you've never been baptized into Christ, that's something I would love to sit down with you and just say, you know, you want to know what it, what it is to become a Christian? Why would one get baptized? We sit down, we talk it out. If you know who Jesus is, if he is your Savior, remind God of who he is internalize it, and live for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your Son. Help us to live for you always. We ask this in Jesus' name, and amen.